Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be breaking down the Wednesday, February 1st slate of DFS College Basketball. We're going to be kind of highlighting the games that we want to target in this 12-game slate, as well as highlighting plays that we like at every price range for both the guard and the forward positions. I am recording this here on a Tuesday night. Just with the way it worked out with my schedule, it ended up being easier for me to record it here late at night as opposed to in the morning. Um, I had a basketball game to coach tonight, which fortunately our team won. Uh, And then after that, came home and watched some college basketball, did my research for Wednesday, and I'm going to get this recorded and out to you guys before I go to bed because I have an early meeting tomorrow morning that I have to get to school early for, you know. Sometimes, you know, the teaching job pays the bills, so that's got to get priority. So anyway, you're recording this late on a Tuesday night, so if there are any breaking injury news um, that I'm not privy to, then my bad for recording this early. But as I recommend all the time, if you're concerned about somebody's injury, search their name on Twitter, you know, follow John Rothstein, follow accounts that tweet college basketball updates, um, and that will help you out as much as possible with staying up to date on the health status of the key players. All right, now... As always, if you want to see my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Somebody asked me the other day how the Patreon is different than the podcast. Well, the podcast is more of a preview where I kind of give you the whole lay of the landscape, highlight a lot of names, give a lot of stats that you need to know heading into the night slate of college basketball. The picks are where I take all that information and figure out a way I'd you know give out six of them, six guys that I'm putting in my lineups that I like the best out of anybody. It's the best way, in my opinion, to budget your lineup, and it's also a way to put them together that is correlated. So, you know, it usually features a game stack or a team stack in a way that I like where those two guys are correlated to have success together. So if you're interested in that information, which can genuinely help you be better at DFS, I'm not not going to help you, you know, win big every single night. That's not what I'm promising, but I'm helping give you guys picks and tools and advice that's going to help you be better at DFS. Head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And as always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here during the show, and I am more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. Um, I Also, on days that I don't do a podcast, I tweet my thoughts about that day's college basketball slate for you guys, um, so the way to get that is via Twitter. And lastly, if you play DFS for other sports, help me out. Listen to my podcast for the other sports. I have a uh, golf episode this week, preview for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, and we will be doing a Super Bowl showdown preview next week as well. All right, went a little long on the intro today, guys, so let's go ahead and hop into the slate. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. Looking at this 12-game slate, in my opinion, there is one clear game that we want to target and that we want to get exposure to, and that is Providence at Xavier. Both of these teams are in the top half of the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm. Xavier is actually 18th in the nation, which is pretty high among power conference teams. There's a lot of mid-majors that are in that list above them. For high conference teams, they are one of the fastest. In this game, according to Vegas, the total is 152.5, and Xavier is three and a half point favorites. So not only are we going to get a game that's high scoring, but we're going to get a close game as well that's sure to feature a lot of starters minutes and starters production. It's also worth noting this is Xavier's first game playing without Zach Fremantle. We're going to talk about some options for dealing with that here in just a second. 
Now, not in that game, but there are two teams that have the highest implied team total on the night when you factor in the point spread with the point total for the game, and that is NC State and Creighton. They are the only two teams on the slate that are implied over 80 points, so if you're looking to team stack, those are the two preferred options. All right, now let's start talking about some guards. So at the high price guards, Jalen Pickett of Penn State had 52.5 fantasy points last time against Purdue. This is a rematch. And in that game, Jalen Pickett was outstanding. Penn State as a team was not. They only scored 63 points. So what you're looking at with Jalen Pickett is a nearly unlimited ceiling because we know that he's played well against this matchup before. And we know that Penn State didn't score a whole lot before. And the fact that Pickett contributes so much with rebounds and assists give him such a high, not only a high floor, but a high ceiling as well. He averages eight rebounds and seven assists a game, which is insane. That's like Russell Westbrook type numbers in college, considering the fact that, you know, they only play 40 minutes a game. So to me, Jalen Pickett is a really, really good option. I don't know if I will get there on him personally because I do respect Purdue. I think that's a tough matchup. They don't exactly play at the fastest tempo in the world, but I think that Penn State can definitely get to 63 points again, and I think that Pickett can definitely have a good performance again. Now, Terquavion Smith of NC State, I don't know, I'm kind of lukewarm about Aside from NC State being implied to score 80 points in this game, there's not a whole lot that I find appealing about Terquavian Smith. I think he's priced a little bit too high. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a good player. He's going to play in the league. Like, just really fun to watch. But I just think he's priced too high, and I would prefer him to be priced lower. Now, they are implied 80 points in this game, which would be pretty good news. Um, but when you look at games this season where NC State has scored over 80 points, He's averaged 34.5 fantasy points, which for most players would not be bad. But at the highest salary that he commands, that isn't even four times value. So I'm probably going to pass on Terquavian Smith tonight. I think there's a little more value in playing Jarkel Joyner just because of the price tag difference. But I might pass on both the NC State top guards on this slate. Now for Xavier, the Suli Boom versus Colby Jones saga continues. Both of these guys, great players, but you can't play both of them together. Last game, Colby Jones had about 20 more fantasy points than Suli Boom. Xavier is also playing without Zach Fremantle. So that should not affect either of these two guys in terms of their usage offensively. You know, it probably have about an even effect for both of them, right? It's not like the, the plays that they dial up for Zach Fremantle, they're going to start dialing up for their guards, Boom or Jones. Now, what this will affect is rebounds. Zach Fremantle is a pretty solid rebounder. So there's going to be rebounds that are up for grabs. And Colby Jones grabs about 0.7 more rebounds per game than Suli Boom. So if you think that, you know, maybe the Fremantle absence, you know, spreads the love a little bit for rebounds, then Jones is going to be the beneficiary. And Jones is also $900 cheaper. So I think that Jones is a little bit of a better play, but I still do like both of these guys, especially the fact that they're going to be in that up-tempo game against Providence. For Creighton, Baylor Shireman shapes up for a very intriguing play. Um, they're projected to beat Georgetown by double digits in this one. And I think that, you know, Baylor Shireman, he's kind of in the Turquavian Smith category for me, where I don't think he's a bad play, but he's really going to have trouble reaching five times value, which is what we really want in a GPP. And four times value is still going to be fairly tough to reach as well. And I mean, like, He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's probably going to turn in this game with like about, you know, 33 fantasy points, which is fine, but not for a guy at his price tag. So I would rather spend up my money elsewhere than Baylor Shireman in this slate. 
Now, a guy that I do not mind is a guy who gets dual eligibility, and that is Bryce Hopkins of Providence. He gets a big tempo up game against Xavier. He has been great when Providence has played more up-tempo teams this season. You want evidence of that. He had 42 fantasy points against DePaul, 37.5 against Marquette, 37.5 again against Creighton, and then 68.3 against Marquette also. So when games get up and down, Bryce Hopkins is at his best in terms of production, and I think this is a really good spot, and that dual eligibility will give you a lot of flexibility with your lineup, whether you want to play him at the guard or the forward spot. For North Carolina, R.J. Davis is not a guy that I'm monitoring because I want to play him. He's a guy that I'm monitoring because of his injury status. North Carolina is so heavy with minutes and production from their starting five that it's going to force a sub-$4,000 player into the starting lineup if R.J. Davis does sit. My guess, given what they've done the past two seasons when R.J. Davis gets in foul trouble, my guess is that it would be Dontrez Styles that would be the beneficiary, but it could also be Seth Trimble that gets that spot as well. So that would be a situation where you can definitely monitor that Carolina situation. Um, Hubert Davis did say in a press conference that it's progressing for um, RJ Davis to play, which, you know, that's a good sign, but he also might not. So that is a situation to monitor. This game is a 7 p.m. tip, so you can definitely monitor it right up until tip-off and see the starting lineups as they're announced on Twitter and know whether or not R.J. Davis is in or not. One of my favorite plays of the night above $8,000 is Tyra Kolek of Marquette. Much like Jalen Pickett, he contributes so much to rebounding and assisting that that gives him a super high ceiling, which he has shown by hitting five times value in three of his last six games. Now, the red flag that people might point to is the fact that he only had 25 fantasy points last time against Villanova. But this isn't your father's Villanova Wildcats. Well, maybe the better metaphor would be this isn't your older brother's Villanova Wildcats. They're not the same team defensively that they used to be, and they're actually starting to pick up the tempo a little bit in their recent games. So I think that this is a better spot against Villanova than you might think. And another thing to monitor is the fact that Cam Jones, Kolek's backcourt mate, could very well miss this game due to injury. If Cam Jones does miss, I think Kolek would see an increase in usage, but the main beneficiary would be David Joplin, who actually plays at the forward spot on DraftKings. Uh, he had 41 fantasy points when Cam Jones left the last game early for Marquette. I also think Stevie Mitchell would see an uptick in minutes, but like I said, I think Kolek at his current price and the way that he contributes in all facets of his game and the fact that Cam Jones might not play, I think that this is a great spot for Tyra Kolek. Don't be afraid of the name that he's playing Villanova. Now, in terms of the 7K range, Kobe Brown of Missouri gets dual eligibility, much like Bryce Hopkins, and he is an elite GPP option, in my opinion. He's hit four times value in three of his last four games, and two of those three games were five times value. Now, in those games, it is important to note that Missouri is 3-1. and one. He tends to perform better in wins, and he also tends to perform better when Missouri gets up and down. In those four games, they're averaging 77 points in just in that stretch. They're also implied 79 points against LSU. So this game has a potential to get up and down, and I think that Kobe Brown is in a great spot to score you a lot of fantasy points on this slate. Continuing down the 7K range, Zakai Ziegler and Ryan Nemhard have both been great recently. Like They are the recent form kings, and their price is up because of it. But I'll be honest, I don't think DraftKings raised their price enough. I'm still willing to play both of those guys as they continue their recent hot streak. Nemhard's really taken over the Creighton offense. Zakai Ziegler's really taken over the Tennessee offense. Just I'm, I'm going to wait until I see a downtick in production before I don't play either of these two guys. 
So Grant Sherfield of Oklahoma was a guy that we were right about last Saturday. We were on him against Alabama, and we were right. He had a huge game, but this is not a good spot against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State turns every game into a rock fight, and he only had 24 fantasy points the last time he played Oklahoma State. Oklahoma looks like a team that when they play different teams, they kind of fall or um, rise to the tempo of their opponent. And so if they're playing a faster team, then they're going to play faster as well. And that's the much better spot to play their guys in. But if they're going to play somebody slow like Oklahoma State or Iowa State or maybe even Texas Tech, then that's not the spot to play these Oklahoma guys in. So it's a hard pass on Grant Sherfield, even though he had the great performance last Saturday. At an even 7K is one of my favorite plays of the night, and that is Seton Hall's Kadari Richmond. He is the guy who makes Seton Hall go. If Seton Hall wants to kind of turn this season around and make a good NCAA tournament run, it's going to be through Kadari Richmond. And now he gets to play the fastest team in the Big East in St. John's, and he had 47.3 fantasy points last time against St. John's. I think this is an absolute smash spot for Kadari Richmond. In the 6K range, uh, Paul Mulcahy of Rutgers, to me, has a lot of upside against a struggling Minnesota team. Rutgers offense should have a lot of success. It should be a lot of points and assists for Mulcahy. Now, also in this 6K range, I've been kind of going to this all season long. I like playing guards against NC State. They're not a great perimeter defending team, um, and there's not a whole lot of rim protection there waiting for you if you are able to get to the rim. On this slate, the FSU guard that I would prefer to play would be Darren Green Jr. I think he's a little bit better value as opposed to uh, Cleveland, who you'd have to pay a lot more up for. Darren Green is at four times value in three of his last four games, and this is a pretty comparable tempo to those four games. The ACC has a block of teams that are kind of all in similar tempo ratings, and NC State is one of them. It's going to be a pretty fast game, and I think that Darren Green is in a pretty solid spot. In the 5K range, look, if Posh Alexander for St. John's continues to sit with injury, lock in AJ Store to your lineups with confidence. Yes, he's going to be chalk, but he's going to be worth it. He had 29.5 and 35.3 fantasy points in the two games that Posh Alexander has set. So this is a guy that you can absolutely just lock in and forget about it. Don't worry about the ownership. Just let the production roll on in. My other two favorite plays in this range are both guys who are returning from injury. Justin Moore of Villanova played his first game uh, last Saturday, and this is a big tempo up spot for Villanova against Marquette, one of the fastest teams in the Big East. I think he could be in line for a big game if he's able to return to form like we saw him last season. And then Jared Bynum of, of Providence has been back for one game only. He played 24 minutes in that game and had 33 fantasy points. That's over one point per minute, which is always a number we love to see in DFS college basketball. And he's now in a tempo up spot against Xavier, and I don't think DraftKings has adjusted his price for that game, so I think Jared Bynum is in a great spot. Your comfortability level with playing these two guys will determine if you do or not, but me personally, if I'm playing a GPP and I'm shooting for the moon anyway, might as well do it with one of these two guys because they have shown the potential to get there. Now, in the 4K range and below, Georgia has a tough matchup against Auburn, but Jabri Abdurrahim of Georgia has been pretty solid lately. He has three games in a row over four times value, and they seem to be pretty game flow independent. Like, he's put up those numbers in close wins, close losses, and a blowout loss as well. I think this is going to be a blowout loss to Auburn, but he's shown the ability that he can still do that, so I don't mind going back to him. Riley Kugel of Florida is kind of in the same boat as Abdurrahim. 
you know, whereas, you know, he's been solid lately and he's been kind of game flow independent. But Tennessee is a tough matchup. Tennessee's one of the best defensive teams in the nation. I think they're the best defensive team in the SEC. I have a newfound respect for them after watching the Texas offense go against them and just seeing like Texas is a good offensive basketball team and just seeing the quality of shots that they had to settle for and just Tennessee's defense is really good y'all. So um, Riley Kugel in a good spot, but I don't necessarily think this is a good matchup against Tennessee. Now, some other guys in this range, I think Katie Johnson of Auburn has some upside at only 4K. Uh, and a punt play worth looking into is Jason Holt of Georgia. He got a random start for them Saturday, kind of out of nowhere, and he had 28.5 fantasy points in 31 minutes. If he continues to start, I don't necessarily think you can bank on that level of production, but I do think he's definitely worth looking into. All right, that does it for the guard position. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some big fellas. All right, the first four that we are going to talk about is the biggest fella of them all, and that is Zach Eady of Purdue. I think he is in an absolute smash spot. In fact, I think a lot of forwards on this slate are in absolute smash spots. This is a great night to pay up at the forward position. Zach Eady is in a rematch. He had 56.8 fantasy points last time against Penn State. I don't need any more stats other than that to back up playing Zach Eady. Armando Baycott. Also in a rematch, he had 46.3 last time against Pitt, which is a pretty solid line. Honestly, I wish Baycott were a little cheaper, though. I, I wish there were more separation in price between him and Edie because it makes it really look like they're the same in terms of like their price. They're $100 apart, but their production over the course of the whole season definitely favors Edie. And their upside over the course of this whole season definitely favors Edie. If Baycott were like $400 cheaper, I would probably be arguing to play Baycott over Edie. But I think the only real reason you would play Baycott over Edie is if you're trying to do a game stack with that UNC pit game or if you're really trying to gain leverage because I think Edie will certainly be higher owned because, like I said, on paper, he's the better play for a similar price tag. But if you really want to gain leverage, Baycott might be your guy. I think he's in a really good spot as well. Speaking of really good spots, Joel Soriano of St. John's is a double-double machine, and he now draws a matchup against undersized Seton Hall. I think this is a great spot to deploy Joel Soriano in. Janai Broom of Auburn gets to match up against Georgia, who I don't necessarily have a big enough database to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure they gave up the biggest fantasy performance of the season to Oscar Sheboy. He had over 70 fantasy points in that game. I feel confident enough to say that it's the biggest fantasy performance in power conference college basketball on the season. And so, you know, if Oscar Sheboy can put up 70, I don't think you can expect 70 from Jenai Broom, but I definitely think he has a lot of upside and the matchup is there. LSU's KJ Williams has been kind of bad recently in terms of his production, but I'm not going to just blame him. That LSU's offense has been bad altogether. They haven't scored more than 68 points since January 3rd, which feels like a lifetime ago. They're implied 67 in this one, so this might be a shot for their offense to get back on track against Missouri. It's a tempo up spot for LSU, and if this game gets going up and down and LSU's able to keep it close, KJ Williams is going to have a little bit of upside. He's definitely going to come in with low ownership because of what he's done recently. And lastly, in this range, I'm not opposed to playing Jack Nungy of Xavier. He gets to play without Zach Fremantle. So this will be a good test run to see just exactly how Nungy's usage and numbers shake out without Zach Fremantle. Does he end up getting more of the offense run through him? Does he end up getting more rebounds? We'll see this game. And I think this is a great spot for him against Providence. In the 7K range, there's another big that I think is in an absolute smash spot, and that is Clifford Omaruyi of Rutgers. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's drawn a Minnesota team that could be without Dawson Garcia yet again and just lacks size down low 
and I think that that's a really good spot to be in. Now, on the Minnesota side of things, if Garcia does sit, Jamison Battle makes for a great play, and then I think Jaden Henley is also a punt play option. He's been seeing consistent minutes since Dawson Garcia has been out. In the 6K range, DJ Burns of NC State is a very interesting player. He, he's got a massive ceiling, right? He had a massive night against Wake Forest with 50 fantasy points. He's got another 45 fantasy point performance on the ceiling, or on the season, excuse me. And he's got a pretty high ceiling for a guy in the 6K range, right? Now, also watching him, he's just an interesting college basketball player to watch. You kind of look at him and it's like, okay, this guy's kind of stocky. Like he doesn't look like he moves up and down the floor really well, but his footwork is really good. He's got a really nice touch around the rim. He's really good at finishing and he just knows how to get in position for boards. I've been really impressed with him the times that I've watched NC State. He doesn't look like he's as good as he is. Like it's really impressive to watch. Just, just trust me on that. Now, FSU has been a decent matchup for big men. It's not like a super soft front court, but Hunter Tyson, Norchad Omir, and Blake Henson all have had solid outings against them. So I definitely think that DJ Burns is a guy to look into, especially if you want to try to tap into that big ceiling and you're playing in a GPP. Also in the 6K range, Seton Hall's Tyrese Samuel has been inconsistent, but he did have 37.3 fantasy points last time against St. John's. And then Tennessee's Olivier Nkamwa. Had 43 fantasy points against Texas on Saturday night. Maybe that's a sign of things to come, that they're going to start running more things through him. And if it is, then he's massively underpriced right now where he's currently at. The 5K range for the four position is honestly pretty bleak. Um, just looking at it, there's not a whole lot of guys that I really want to play. My favorite play in this range is David Joplin, who I've already mentioned that if Cam Jones does not play in this game, David Joplin is like an absolute lineup lock. Yes, he'll be chalky, but yes, I'm okay with it. Um, and then Frederico, Frederico of Pitt, the double name. Frederico, Frederico of Pitt has hit four times value in two of his last three games. And he also hit four times value against UNC last time. Maybe that's something to check into. I don't think he has the highest ceiling in the world, but if you're looking for somebody who can be pretty reliable to hit value, he is a guy to look into. Now in the 4K range and below, speaking of chalk, because everybody knows this because it's a day in advance, Zach Fremantle of Xavier is out. And the guy that will be starting in his place is Jerome Hunter. And Jerome Hunter is really a guy who excels on his defense and his rebounding and his hustle. And he doesn't necessarily take the best shots, but, you know, if he's in Fremantle's spot, you know, he's going to get more shots. And so I think this could be a potentially big night for him. But keep in mind, everybody knows about this injury. Everybody's going to see that big O next to Zach Fremantle's name. Everybody's going to play Jerome Hunter. He's going to be chalky. He's going to be high-owned. Maybe, just maybe, if Cam Jones sits, and so maybe a lot of people play Joplin. Maybe R.J. Davis gets announced out early, and a lot of people play Dontrez Styles or um, Seth Trimble. You know, maybe some of the chalk gets off of Hunter a little bit, but don't get your hopes up. I think that he is going to be the highest-owned player on the slate, and I think that he is probably going to have a pretty good night. If you're feeling really frisky with this Xavier situation, Cesare Edwards or Desmond Claude could see more minutes and could see more usage because of it. And both of those guys will be much less owned than Jerome Hunter. I can guarantee you that much. NC State's Ernest Ross is a solid but unspectacular play at $4,200 if Jack Clark continues to sit. He's a guy who just kind of consistently hits four times value. Nothing super special, not a super big minute load, not a super big usage rate, but just a guy that you can plug in play and get 15 points out of and be happy with. And then all the way down the board, a semi-punt play to look at is FSU's Bob Miller. He's got 
Well, he's only $3,600 on DraftKings, first off, and he's only played five games all season. He had 17.5 fantasy points the last time FSU played, which would be almost five times value for his current salary. So I think he's definitely a guy that if you're looking to get off of the Joplin and the Hunter Chalk, he is a guy that you could look into. So pretty much looking at this slate as a whole, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to pay up at the forward position for Edie, for Baycott, for Soriano, for Broom, uh, for Nunji, and maybe even for Omaruya if you consider that paying up. I think there's going to be guys that pay up for those guys because there is a lot of value in the injuries on this slate. So the, what it's going to come down to is, does the chalk pull through? Do all these guys that are going to get increased minutes and in usage from injuries, do those guys actually end up paying off their value? Because if they do, it's going to make a really intriguing slate, in my opinion, because you're going to have a lot of people that it's just going to depend on which big at the top goes off. Now, also, if you're playing a GPP, if you're really trying for the win and you go off of some of that chalk, it's all going to be about picking the right chalk. So like which one of these guys is in the best spot, which one of these guys is the guy that you want to play. I'm not somebody who's going to come in and just rant on always play low owned plays. Um, I think that there's right times to play chalk and there's right times to not play chalk. And if you're able to figure that out the most, then that's going to lead to the most success. It's that way in NBA. It's that way in college basketball. It's that way in the NFL as well. Like example, Tony Pollard had like a 40 fantasy point performance when Zeke Elliott was out and he was like 60% owned. Did I care? No, he was in my lineup because he was a great play. Like sometimes you just got to know when to play the guys who are chalky and when to avoid the guys that are chalky. So Leads me to tie this all together. If you want to see who makes the cut for my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, give me a follow on Twitter. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions, as well as go over some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show at Mike's Money Picks. All right, that does it for this Wednesday night preview, guys. I will be back tomorrow. Well, Maybe tomorrow, but I will be doing a Thursday night preview. I'm recording this Tuesday night, so I don't know if I'll record it Wednesday night or Thursday morning, but I will be doing a Thursday night preview. Looks like we got a big Pac-12 slate coming up Thursday night. Anyway, best of luck to all your guys in your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.